yes, you will always feel frustration and anxiety if you start thinking about the, the big picture. If you just worry about your own pocket of excellence, then you can affect change there. If everyone does their piece, their part, then what's happening? It, it is, it's actually changing at a bigger picture. But if you start thinking about, well, I, I, I want policies to change, I want laws to change, uh, you're gonna be frustrated. What do we say, fam? Welcome to Simplexity, mm-hmm. little podcast where we take seemingly complex matters and attempt to make them plain and simple. I'm going to tell you right now, Boots, I feel pretty fluid, pretty considering fluid. that we're starting off with a bang on season number six. That's and I right. get a what, what, somebody. What, what, somebody. You know, a lot of people... Thank you for that. Yeah, Thank well, you, you for, asked for it. I so. sure did. Didn't seem grateful. But. I really didn't want it. I was just, <laughs> I was just using a little filler there. But however, what we have come to realize in our break is that simplexity by many people has been called simplicity. <laughs> and we're here to set the record straight that the name of this here podcast is Simplexity. Yeah. It's a little play on words. We get it. Some of us are slow to the game, but... I just want to clarify for future sake, it's simplexity. Listen, if you have been tuning in for six seasons at this point yeah. and referring to us as simplicity, yeah. you've earned it. Continue <laughs> continue calling us that. Please. Amen. You can call it whatever you want. Yeah. As, as long, long as, as you, you listen. Exactly. Exactly. It is good to be back, though. It's it been is. a while. Yes, it is. What's it been? Two months? Close to. Uh, back? Oh, fact check that one. Yeah, fact check. Fact check myself. It's been a little yeah. longer than we anticipated. Yeah. Nevertheless, we needed to uh, rest our vocal cords. and uh, That didn't work for me very well. No. Mine's worse for the wear right now. Why don't you tell our listeners real quick where you lost it? Well, you know, I'd like to say it was at a victorious AFC championship <laughs> game. But the Ravens, they let us down a little bit. Oh. But I gave it my all. I left it all on the field. Right. And... Uh, I don't regret it. Amen. So here we are with a, a fried voice of sorts. Thank you for being a committed fan. I appreciate that. I can't help it. No. Amen. You're all in or you're all out. <laughs> Heart and soul. <laughs> well, listen, season number six, we feel warranted a big, a big, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here is like the kickoff, not commencement. Barn but burner. Barn. <laughs> a big a big kickoff how big is it it's big (laughs) it's big because of the guests that we have and the subject matter therein and so with no further ado i want to welcome our guest he is the one and only hector hernandez brother it is good to have you with us thank you very much uh it's a pleasure and honor to be here with you guys been listening to simplexity for quite a while now very impressed and i'm I'm just honored to be here thank you so much it's our honor to have you my man that's true and uh that in large part is because of the role that you play. I, I just want to say this from the onset. You know, prior to me even knowing you, um, Lighthouse Church in its rapid growth, um, for some, uh, it has been a curious, you know, question as to why does Lighthouse Church warrant or need, in our estimate, security? Um, 
this is going to segue into the role that you play here, but I, I as as Lighthouse has grown and begotten and gotten bigger and bigger, um, we have made it our aim and priority to really um, make sure that those that are in the house, those that um, are part of the Lighthouse family feel protected while on premises. Why? Because we would be foolish to neglect the fact that there is a very enemy of our soul that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and he will use physical violence and even crazed people with a hostility towards those that follow Jesus or even their own mental illness <clears throat> to harm and inflict um, just disruption on the house of God and 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 what God is doing. And so we've made it a priority to do all that we can do, um, save the Holy Spirit, make sure you know that we that he is our protector, but to to be diligent and prudent when it comes to security. So prior to you being at the helm of that, it was Paul Tolley, who we, why are you laugh at that? I he is laughable, isn't he? <laughs> that, that's why I was laughing. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah. JK, Paul, we love you. I love you. I love you more than Boots loves you. Not However, true. even though he, he did laugh. Um, because his name's Paul Toll. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people call him Tolly, though, don't they? I'm not too sure, but I, I'm not, I'm he gave not, you a chance to bail him I'm out not, there. I'm not one of those. <laughs> yeah. The answer to that one was yes. <laughs> Some people do. Well, okay, Sammy Paul, does. please forgive me. I love you. So grateful for you. Paul then, uh, in his tenure, decided, hey, he, he wanted to pass the baton, in which case he passed it to you. And brother, from day one of when I met you, just like Paul, from day one of when I met you, I felt like you've been family. I'm so grateful for the gift, the call, and the, the, the way God has geared you to think about things that I would never think of um, and to lead the team here that protects us and stands watch um, on the ramparts. Mm, nice. You like nice. that? Uh, for those of us that call Lighthouse home. And so thank you for your service, brother, and what you, uh, what you do here. You're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I want to read an absolutely incredible bio. Actually, yep. I want you to read it. You want me to read <laughs> it? Yes. Okay. And I want you to read it in full. This is Hector's bio. He would never write this about himself. This has been written about him. He's given a couple data points that ha he's, he's, he's too humble. Mm -hmm. to, to pen this, but this has been penned for him. Why? Because of the role that he played in the Secret Service on the president's detail um, for many administrations. Yeah. And um, this bio sort of was jaw-dropping to me. I had no idea. You would never avail this had we not said, hey, can we get a little bio? And then you printed out this. If you were to think that he wrote this, he would be a full-fledged narcissist. That is not the case. <laughs> However, so I want the, oh, you boots. So with that as the segue, <laughs> let me read this bad boy. Hector, are you ready? Yes, commence. So commence. Hector Hernandez was employed as a special agent with the United States Secret Service for 30 years. After successfully graduating from both federal training academies, he was sworn in as a new special agent in the Dallas field office. After he completed his assignment in Dallas, he was reassigned to the prestigious Presidential Protective Division mm. in Washington, D.C., where he protected President William Jefferson Clinton and President George W. Bush. 
While on PPD, he was promoted to the supervisor ranks and spent the next few years supervising multiple departments at the U.S. Secret Service Training Academy. He continued his career in Washington, D.C. as a supervisor with the Secret Service Recruitment Program located at headquarters. He was then selected as the resident agent in charge of the U.S. Secret Service Tulsa Resident Office. In 2012, he was promoted to assistant special agent in charge, GS-15, on President Barack Obama's protective detail. After completing this assignment, he was reassigned as the assistant special agent in charge of the James J. Raleigh Training Center, where he supervised the special operations branch. Shortly after, he was promoted to the deputy special agent in charge of the training center, where he oversaw over 300 employees and managed the daily operation of the training academy. In 2014, Mm. He was selected as a candidate for the Department of Homeland Security Senior Executive Service, SES, Candidate Development Program. After successfully completing the program, he was certified and joined the prestigious Senior Executive Service ranks. In 2016, that's not all, he was appointed as the Deputy Special Agent in Charge, SES, on the Vice Presidential Protective Division. In August 2018, he was promoted to special agent in charge on the Vice Presidential Protective Division, becoming the 28th special agent in charge and the first Hispanic in U.S. Secret Service history mm. to hold this distinguished position. After successfully completing this assignment, a lot of success, he was promoted to deputy assistant director in the Office of Training, overseeing all protective, investigative, and leadership training for the entire U.S. Secret Service workforce. Wow. <laughs> he recently retired in October 2021, completing a long and distinguished career. He now continues working as a senior security advisor for a private global security company that provides various services both domestically and internationally. He is also serving as director of security for Lighthouse Church. He was born and raised in El Paso, Texas, and is the youngest of five siblings. He graduated from Eastwood High School in 1983. He received a, he received a full wrestling scholarship to New Mexico Highlands University, where he earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in political science in 1987 and a Master of Arts degree in sociology in 1989. In his final year of wrestling, he became the university's first United States national wrestling champion. Do you believe this? I don't. I don't. Do you believe this? <laughs> it he, just keeps going. I know, I know. He was also selected to represent the United States on a U.S. national wrestling team, <laughs> which competed in Russia. Of course. Hey, of course. Oh, yeah. He wrestled Putin. <laughs> and beat him. <laughs> and beat him. He has been recognized and has earned several athletic and academic honors. He enjoys martial arts and has earned a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He has been married to Jody for 30 years and they have two children, Sarah and Samuel. Wowza. I feel like I should just get up and leave at this point, frankly. It's a very impressive, distinguished, holy moly, that's crazy. Um, I don't know why you got me to read that with my voice, but... Because I, I wanted to hear it. I've read it. Yeah. And I just wanted to be on the receiving end of it. And it was as powerful, if not more, just hearing it. Here, here's what I, here's, here's what I, I just want to say about that. You know, 
Buddy, I know that you don't want to chime in that because you would downplay that because I know you and I know your character. I just want to say this for the principle at hand. The Bible says a man that does his job with excellence will stand before kings. There is a principle there. The principle is whatever your hand finds to do it, do it with all your might, but do it as unto the Lord. That is a testament and a testimony of somebody that does their job with excellence and God God is the one that promotes and excels and has you standing in places that you never could have imagined. And I read that and I go, look at what God has done. And he, you've quite literally stood before kings, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. exactly right. Yes. And I'll tell you, um, you know, Sammy, the only thing that's not mentioned in there, and I probably should have added in there, and maybe I will later, but um, in 2003, in between my career there, I actually that year I became a believer in Christ. Oh, mm. wow. and, uh, and I say believer, but I truly say a follower of Christ, right? Wow. Many people believe, but they don't follow. And uh, with, by the grace of God, I was, uh, I was mentored by this, uh, this agent who I just never thought, um, you know, other than just being friends, he, uh, we were in a, at a time where um, the conversation came up and he, out of the blue, I think the Holy Spirit moved him and said, hey, do you have a relationship with, you know, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And it kind of threw me off a bit, um, but I said, you know, I, I know of him, but I, I can't really say a relationship. I don't mm. know. And he went down the gamut of questions you should ask somebody who's curious. And then within that, <clears throat> within that year, I was, um, you know, I had, I had been um, on protective details before and during President Clinton's time, they uh, almost all presidents go to a church off of 16th Street in DC. And um, I, obviously we accompany them, and I was, on that particular time, I was behind them both. And the pastor was talking, um, delivering his uh, sermon, and it just felt like he was talking to me. And you hear wow. that quite a bit, but it truly, I felt something move inside of me. And so that kind of started the wheels turning. And then at that time when he engaged with me, I, uh, I realized I need this. Wow. I need something deeper mm. than just uh, what uh, this world offers. Mm -hmm. And so... And you're absolutely right. I mean, only he was able to give me the, um, the fortitude and the focus to be able to continue my career uh, and all for him, wow. all for his glory. Wow. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> what a uh, few people are aware of is that you and I um, just returned from spending eight days together in Limpira, Honduras. That's right. pretty good, isn't Very it? good. Very good. Okay. Better than Tolly. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Mm -hmm. uh. And um, you and I went on a mission trip together with a team of 13 in total. Um, and be that you and I travel together in close proximity, I told my wife and those that I've spoken to in the, in the aftermath of that, I'll, I'll never travel um, one to a third world nation without you <laughs> again uh neither do i prefer to travel without you wherever god's called me to to to, to go on mission to sure. uh, because um watching you and listening to you and just seeing how you operate and the way that you orient yourself in any given context or environment just really spoke to me about the way that you if for lack of better terms your whole worldview when it comes to safety, protection, um, that you just have a lens that it would have never crossed my mind to either consider this, be aware of this, notice this, 
it was absolutely fascinating to ask him, you know, when we left a, a place, what, what was going on there? And, and there was a whole world of what he was aware of or even cautious about that I was blind to. And then, I, of course, I was on the receiving end of so many stories of where I would just ask him, tell me about this, tell me about that. It is a real temptation right now for me to say, hey, I want you to speak to this part of, but, but I'm not, because we've invited you even prior to our mission trip. Um, this was set up that uh, we wanted to speak to you about the subject matter of war and not war in the typical sense that people would think about it, but more over the, the reality that unless you've had your head in the sand and have been completely um, unaware of what's happening globally right now, it feels like, now I'm only 46 years old, so I don't have a ton of tenure to make this statement, but I'm just going to make it according to my peer view and perspective. I have never felt more the imminent forthcoming of war like I do right now. Um, when I consider what, you know, the scripture says, you know, and I am not a doomsdayer, nor am I saying right here and right now that we are in the end of days. But if we're not, we're on the waiting list. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> because when you consider biblical prophecy, you consider biblical sort of forecasting of some of the elements that you will see in the last days, everything from the posture of one's heart to the pervasive nature of wickedness, to wars and the rumor of wars, to the increase of knowledge, to even climate and, and, and weather patterns and earthquakes, all of which scripture speaks to that we could create a whole episode around, and, and, and we probably should. Nevertheless, right now, I feel this imminence, if you will, that war is, is closing in. Why? Uh, largely because even yesterday, you know, with three American soldiers that were killed by a drone strike by Iran, what's happening in the midst of Israel-Palestine and how that's breaching borders, the nature that we just bombed Yemen, why? Because of the Houthi, is it the, 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 the Houthi sort of Islamic tribe, if you will, um, went after, you know, our cargo ships in, uh, is that the Red Sea? Or, it was the Red Sea, yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, so, so, so we bombed their bases. All of this is feeling, when you're watching the alliance build between Russia and China, you got that madman in North Korea, all of this <clears throat> stuff. You know, just real quickly, I know there's been a lot of uproar nationally concerning the Israeli-Gaza conflict. Um, I just want to state for the record, I am one that holds to a pro-military theology. That's a pretty heavy statement. I understand that. What I mean by that is I do not believe that as Christians we're called to be pacifists. When it comes to the Israeli-Gaza conflict, I am not anti-Palestinian. What I am is, although I am pro-Israel because I believe 
of the special nature that they have in the very eyes of God. And because of the Jewish people being the chosen people, I am not getting into what would be dispensationalism or whether or not Israel is now the church. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not breaching that border. What I do want to get into is on October the 7th, the Palestinians broke the, the border. They went in, they slaughtered 1,400 people. The way that they killed them, I don't even have the stomach to describe it, although I've read thoroughly about it. What they did to women, children, babies, Israel has every right to protect itself and to retaliate for its own defenses. I do not believe what Israel is doing is genocidal. I believe that what they are doing is eradicating the threat that they for decades have been under. So to go in and to eradicate what they believe are terrorists, and I believe it as well, is every bit their right. That said, I do not believe that Jesus was a pacifist. I don't believe that he calls Christians to be pacifists. I believe that we are to stand in the gap and to protect ourselves from those that would perpetrate harm against us, those that would levy harm to us and all of that. I am thankful for the United States military. I am thankful for the provisions that we have as a nation that I was getting ready to say that protects our borders. <laughs> Good gracious. Another, episode. A whole, Another yeah. episode. We are not protecting our borders. Nevertheless, I digress. I digress. This is very political. Okay. But I got a very political vein in me and yeah. a lot of angst with it. What I want to talk about is, is be that war is imminent from you, my friend, having been decades in administrations that have gone to war and that you have had to protect the highest offices in our nation in the midst of war, for those of us that may see war in our generation, uh, I really wanted you to speak to what you believe we should be doing by way of preparation, um, personal responsibility, awareness in that arena. Does that make sense? It was a long rant to ask a short question, but I just wanted to set the stage as to why this conversation is where it is. Back, you got anything to say to that? No, he's done. Okay. Um, well, obviously, you, you laid this out perfectly, and uh, I would say that you know most people obviously recognize war has been uh, a factor in human society for centuries, right? From the early Bible days to uh, to modern times, uh, you listed some of the, the, the conflicts that are going on right now. Um, actually, when I went off to training my very first time, the war that George Bush Sr. engaged in, um, we started, and that was a very quick war. Right. Um, the day that we got there, basically the war had been declared, and by the time we graduated, the war had ended. Huh. And so that was kind of a, kind of a quick glimpse. Now, what was being prepared at our academy at the time? Well, it was very obvious. Um, all of the security around our campus was almost tripled. Mm. Um, security measures were being put in place into the academy because we obviously would probably, at the end of the day, become a target. You know, you have future people that they would consider, any foreign government would consider dangerous to their cause. So that was something that was kind of first and foremost fresh to my young eyes, if you will. Huh. And so then we, let's move on to something more domestic, right? Um, Oklahoma City bombing. 
I was very heavily engaged in that, uh, not only for personal reasons, but also professionally. I was in the Dallas field office at the time when, uh, when two domestic terrorists decided to bomb the Alpha P. Murr building in Oklahoma City. Uh, ironically, I used to work in that building, and uh, I worked on the first floor, and um, the Secret Service actually had a, an office on the ninth floor. And when the bomb was detonated, which was, it was war at that point. Wow. You, know, you talked to 168 different uh, victims and their families. You talk to their families and they will tell you that was war. They declared war on us. Wow. Yeah. And Hector, I was not aware that there was two terrorists. There, I was only aware of Timothy McVeigh, right? And Nichols. And Nichols. Nichols is still in prison. Oh, okay. He did not receive the death penalty like Timothy McVeigh did. Okay. And uh, ironically, obviously, this is something that I don't mention in there, but um, I was the, um, I was subpoenaed, and I was the um, United States Secret Service um, sole witness, wow. and I was called into that courtroom to testify because um, I assisted in recovery, and I, uh, I discovered some of our folks that had, you know, perished in that, in that, uh, in that attack. Wow. And so uh, I was as close <clears throat> to, to, you know, to you, uh, to McVeigh, and I can tell you that the look on people's eyes when they have a nefarious intent is uh, it's it's very dark, wow. and uh, and there is no negotiation with people like that. Mm. Um, so, how, if you recall, well, I'll recall um, the nation at that point. Um, to to your point, um, the initial emotions is is disbelief, but then you've got what sets in as anger. How did this happen? How could this happen? But I think the point I really want to make is it leaves you vulnerable. Wow. It leaves you very vulnerable. You know, are we safe? Are my kids safe? I'm going to drop them off at school. What if that happens there? I'm going to drop my wife or my husband off at their workplace. Is that going to happen? So then you move on to 9-11. I happened to be on the President Bush, President Bush Jr.'s detail at the time when that happened. And um, very, very um, up and close to, to the, all the, the happenings of that event. I was in D.C., and obviously um, the White House was fortified at that point. It's fortified anyway, but it, it, it was just completely, uh, we had force multipliers all over to make sure that, you know, that we were not attacked, at least at, at the White House. Um, but what happened, again, if you recall, the country felt, again, those same emotions, but it left us even more, feeling more vulnerable because that truly was a foreign um, entity. Yes. that attacked us, right? right? Very much like Pearl Harbor back in the 40s, right? It, it left people feeling um, um, vulnerable and helpless and things like that. So, uh, and then of course, we now have the battles that, that you're talking about now. As citizens, uh, and, and just to, to your point, I am also a huge proponent of our military. Mm. I'm a strong believer in not reducing our military, but having the appropriate amount of troops, having the appropriate amount of assets, and whatever that they, they require in order for, uh, for them to be able to defend our country. You know, let Congress, let, you know, let them provide all of the funding for that. Mm. Because without that, you know, we're nothing. And so um, I think what the average person would do is, um, is just kind of mentally prepare yourself for, like you said, not the, wor not the worst scenario, because you can't live your life that way. That's I think right. that was one right. thing that huh. actually Mrs. Mrs. Laura Bush uh, gave a speech um, on t television after 9-11, the attacks. And it was one of the most comforting speeches you'll ever hear. It was one of those where they said, uh, you know, let, let, let people take care of that. But for now, you do what you can do, 
that's at your, uh, at your fingertips, which is take care of your family. Amen. Hug your children. Mm. Let them know that you love them. And, uh, and I think that was very helpful to the country because it gave everybody comfort. Yeah. It gave everybody a feeling of, of security. And, hey, you know what? Let my husband do his job. And without the military's help, I mean, he could not do his job. So right. preparing our bases, making sure that people were, were battle ready, uh, preparing our law enforcement um, forces to, to be able to, uh, to appropriately uh, you know, post up wherever they needed to be. Um, so those kinds of things are, those are the apparent things. But I think emotionally. Which, which I just want to say, which sure. really provides me a, a lot of comfort to hear you say that because you, you, you're, you're so right. To kick into this mentality of vigilance and in this mentality of, of being protective and, and uh, a, a watchman and your awareness, if you're not careful, you can go overboard Correct. to where you miss the present because you're trying to prepare for the future and you can miss the, the responsibility for me being a dad to provide comfort. My kids are privy to the same amount of news that I'm watching. Correct. So, and, and I don't keep them insulated from it. Uh, Asher's now close to 19 years old. My, my son, daughter, hearing about things in school. They have questions and I don't want to downplay it. But at the same token, I want to be the comforter because that's what they're coming to me for. If I'm a chicken little or in my own vigilance trying to raise awareness in my house, only creating an anxious environment, I'm missing my responsibility. Correct. And so I very much appreciate, like you often say around here, I'm doing my job so that you can do yours. Correct. And you can do it with a clear mind and with a, with a comforted heart that, hey, the helm is being taken care of on the front of security. You pastor, you preach, you worry about your lane, and I'll, I'll take care of, of and, and that always provides me a great deal of comfort. I'm thinking about what you don't have to. Right. And right. Yep, yep, yep. And I, and I think, uh, and if you think back to, you know, the, uh, read about the 40s where, you know, after all of those, uh, uh, and, you know, 50s and on, obviously, um, the threat of nuclear war right. was eminent, to use your word. What were they doing? They were preparing school kids by having the bomb drills right now. Uh -huh. uh, joking aside, right, I don't know what hiding under a desk would do to you if, in a nuclear attack, but it's the best that they could do at the time with, right. the, with the knowledge that they had. But it was a step forward in educating and making uh, people aware of the potential threat, right? So it's now different now. Um, now threats are different. I mean, in the old days, it was traditional uh, warfare, like you know, bombs and bullets, right? Well, now we've got different types of warfare. Right. You know, to, to probably the most dangerous, which is cyber war. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've, I think I've talked to you about this before, but one of the most dangerous and effective, if you will, um, weapons is an EMP, electromagnetic pulse. I mean, that will literally knock your whole country out. By no electronics being able to, to, you know, you won't, everything shuts down. Not only practical things such as hospitals and hardware that they use, but our financial institutions will gridlock. So if you don't have cash in hand, that little plastic thing's not going to work. Wow. Nothing works. And things will start to slowly shut down. Um, so Podcasts too. The podcast will not be a, we will shout it out from the window. Could you right? imagine if people couldn't listen to Simplex? Yeah, that truly is war. <laughs> is there a reason yeah. to go on that, living? That building blew up with Simplexity. I, I need my Simplexity. But we're still here. We'll yeah. have a little crank radio. <laughs> <laughs> what are we saying, fam? 
<laughs> and honestly, that truly, I mean, touching on that truly, right? Communication will be uh, yeah. limited, if not wiped out. So with all that said, I mean, again, I don't want to paint this bleak picture, but let's not hide, let's not put, you know, bury our heads in the sand. Amen. Let's truly, truly be prepared. But I think uh, one aspect that I want to make sure I touch on is the, the, the youth, right? Not just little kids, but just our youth. They need to really be informed and, um, and prepared for the potential, right? And this is the reason why, because we need their support for our military, mm. right? So the political bias and the political um, um, opinions that people have to not be swayed where, hey, everything should be anti-military. They're killers, blah, blah, blah. No, you need to prepare them for, hey, we need that to defend your rights to be able to continue to do what you're doing, whether it be you know getting married and education and getting jobs and things, and even yep. protesting. Amen. You want to protest, fine, but you can't protest if our country is under warfare, right? So, um, I think I think it's very important that we kind of sell that, right? It's like you got to sell the sizzle, and if you just keep quiet about it and you don't talk about it, well, you know the youth is going to build up these um, morphed opinions about war and about that can never happen to me. That's over there. That's right. Right. When we got attacked, 9-11 um, was a true wake-up call for everybody. There right. was breakdowns, right? And, and it's all public knowledge. It's all pub, um, you know, sources you can read. But our intel community kind of failed. Um, a, a lot of other areas of defense systems failed. Um, you brought up Israel and Palestine, the, that conflict, right? They, were, they, they got caught off guard, yep. right? And so... Um, it, it, it's really a, a very important for a country, speaking of ours, to be prepared on many aspects, and not only uh, education, but also building up that, that political uh, real estate, if you will, that, that support from the people. Absolutely. Believe in us, we're going to do our job. Absolutely. And so, yeah. Hector, would you, um, w you know, at you being a dad, <clears throat> husband, um, and also real keen to the awareness of um, threats. You're still involved, as you said, in um, a global security, you know, corporation of where you are constantly on the receiving end of various threats and, you know, the situation at hand. For, for the layman, if you will, for the person that, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I consider, I'll give the backdrop to this. In Luke chapter 22, verse 36, Jesus, he was talking to his disciples and commending them, you know, to be prepared for the time at hand. So he was saying, you know, some of you got caught off guard, um, you know, without your satchel. Some of you caught off guard without a sword. He said, sell your cloak and purchase your sword which gave indication from, from Jesus, I want you vigilant in this time. Be prepared. Have oil in your lantern. Make sure that you've done the precursory things to ready yourself for the times at, at hand. And I think about that, and I think, what can I do so as to ready for my own family? Um, you know, uh, I, I, I was raised, I was young at the time, but nevertheless, during the Y2K, mm. remember that? Mm -mm. Where the whole, it was thought that the, you know, the clock couldn't switch over, the financial institutions were going to shut down. I remember <laughs> my old man, he came home from work one time and he had like these three, five 
five pound bags of like rice. <laughs> and he brings them down the basement, sets them up, and then he had these big <clears throat> jars of beans. And I said, hey, Pop, what's that for? He said, well, if all breaks bad, we got to eat. And I said, well, how long is three, <laughs> three five pound bags of rice? He goes, <laughs> he goes, I said, how long is that going to satisfy us? He goes, I'm not worried about us. I'm worried about me. <laughs> As to say, I'm taken care of for a while. I think I can make it through every man for himself. He was, he was joking, of course. <laughs> But I just, <laughs> that's what you get for for poking the bear like that's that. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, that Dad, was, how, long, how long is that going to last? Us anyhow, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. zero because this ain't for you. Yeah. So, what would you say, um, for a father, husband, man of the house, by way of preparation? Is there any practical means that you're that you would suggest? Well, and, and all jokes aside, I mean, your dad had the right idea. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, people have been doing that for, for many years. Like I mentioned, you know, in the 40s when all of that was happening, I mean, people started building bomb shelters, yep. and, uh, you know, storing food and, and, and water and things like that. Right. Well, there's no, really no difference now than, uh, than in those days, um, because you mentioned the, the, the modern conflicts that are happening now. Uh, bomb shelters are, are becoming even oh more popular again, right? Absolutely. And so, I mean, again, that's not practical, right? I mean, right. Not, not the average person can't afford to do that. But you can do certain things, right? Like, like kind of to, on the theme that your dad had in, in mind. Um, you know, <clears throat> sure, talking about, you know, non-perishable foods that you could maybe store and things like that. Um, uh, water, if you if you have the space for it, you know, just have some 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 you know uh, five gallon waters or whatever you can afford, and um, things like that. But I think you always hear about a go bag, right? So that's huh. kind of like a, if you think about a duffel bag for each person in your family, what should you have in those duffel bags? Well, it can vary, right? You can have, you know, first aid kits, and you can have um, again uh, medicines, right? That's one thing that people don't, don't think about. If you are wow. on a certain medicine that you really depend on, you may want to have some extras if that's, um, if that's feasible. Um, you know, there are medicines that just can't hold. So, but if, if, if you can have kind of an extra, uh, an extra stash of that, um, if you, if, if you live in a cold region, well, obviously you want to make sure you have things that like you know, hand warmers, things like that. You got to just use your common sense yep. and make sure that you have those in an area where they're going to be easy accessible um, and that you remember under a stressful situation. Right. Um, so each, each family is going to have different needs, but it's something to think about that you might want to have to be able to like, hey, let's grab and let's go, let's get in the car and let's just go. Um, the other thing too is you want to make sure that at different times of the day or night or whatever, uh, this is a simple one, right? But uh, you got to know the route to your, you know, a local hospital mm -hmm. or a local precinct or a local firehouse. Why? Well, it, it just, that may arise. And you just, you'd be surprised when you talk about people, hey, where's the closest firehouse? I'm like, I, I don't know. Where's the, where, where's the best hospital? Uh, I mean, there's like a, you know, first, you know, first aid place over there. But I mean, you really need to have these basics down. As a father, as a leader of your household, you really, your family's going to look to you for answers. Just as in the situation uh, of what my you know, previous career, um, if something's going bad, <clears throat> the president's not supposed to sit there and figure this out for himself. Right. He's going to turn to me, he's going to turn to the supervisor, and he's going to say, what do we do? Where do we go? And we're going to say, we go here and we go now. 
Mm. And so we're prepared. We have cars ready. We've got um, personnel ready. We've got exterior posts ready. And then we go, or helicopters, whatever the case may be. So for the layman, I think thinking about it, the answers will come to you. And I can't, I can't emphasize any more of prayer, right? The Holy Amen. Spirit will allow you to have clarity and to have that confidence of, am I really doing, is this really worth it? Am I, you know, people get frustrated in moments like that. I remember after 9-11, there was a, a, a sense of frustration as I, as I spoke to just kind of my neighbors and things like that. They felt a lot of anxieties because this is happening to us and we can't do anything about it. True. However, I heard this uh, a while back in probably one of my leadership courses, and, I've, and it has stuck with me uh, since then. And that is, yes, you will always feel frustration and anxiety if you start thinking about the, the big picture. If you just worry about your own pocket of excellence, wow, then you can affect change there. Mm. If everyone does their piece, their part, then what's happening? It, it is, it's actually changing at a bigger picture. That's right. But if you start thinking about, well, I, I, I want policies to change, I want laws to change, uh, you're going to be frustrated. But if you, if you worry about kind of like your own household, hey, well, they're saying that on TV. Yep. But yeah. this is what's going to happen in the Hernandez, right? Totally. It, right. So I think that's really the biggest thing that I can tell people is that just don't get so caught up in the big, big picture when it comes to this, uh, you know, Ukraine is happening, um, you know, the Israel conflict is happening. Well, don't get too worked up about it. You know, yeah, of course, you know, we're going to be praying for them and provide whatever kind of support that they need. And I, too, am a, you know, uh, am a big supporter of, of Israel in this in this particular uh, case. Um, it, 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 it just it's going to pay off at the end, not only for your own health and well-being, but for your family, because you set the tone. That's and if right. your family sees you calm and cool, we always had a saying on the president's detail, and that is, you know, um, when you're on an assignment, you never run. Just kind of walk because people are watching you. Yeah. Wow. If you're cool, they're going to be cool. That's right. You know, I've been in crowds of thousands doing our job. And you can, you, if you can imagine, if they see the Secret Service Oof. running away, yeah. mm. then they're going to panic. But if they see us walking calmly and doing our job, it, it brings a cer certain amount of calmness. Right? It's the same thing in your household. If they see dad or mom completely, you know, kind of losing it, if you will, then they're going to panic. Kids are going to panic. And then eventually it will spread throughout your neighborhood and throughout, you know, uh, the area. So keep a sense of, uh, you know, of semblance in, 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 in and around you. So Absolutely. To the point of the household, um, I'd like to ask a little bit of a more relational question, if I could. Um, there's this quote by G.K. Chesterton where he says, the true soldier fights because of his love for that which is behind him, not his hatred for that which is in front of him. Wow, wow. And I love that from the family perspective of, you know, if there's a home invasion, if there's an intruder, somebody who would seek to harm my family, I'm going to defend them because I love my family. Correct. Right. It's not because I hate this man. Mm -hmm. um, it's because I, I love that which is behind me. And I think that's a beautiful example for not only the family, but for the country as well, Correct. because the country can just be an extension of the family, that's right. um, which is why Augustine talks about just war. Yeah. And just yeah. war being wars of defense. Um, so having said that, Hector, the role that you serve here at Lighthouse as security director, you are thinking of defense. Mm. You're thinking of the love of 
the house, the people that attend here, the, the movement team, uh, the pastors and the staff. That's your priority is that the defense of that which you love, not the hatred of those. Absolutely. And so, Good, you know, with as competent and prestigious and effective and as great as you are, you also have this beautiful um, disposition toward, I think, mercy and mm. gentleness and joy. Yes. And, and you just you just exude the, the fruit of the spirit, in my opinion. And so my question to you is, how do you maintain that balance in a relational, so we talked about the country, but in a relational um, circumstance, how do you maintain love of def defending that which you love, but also, we're also called to love our enemies in a, in a very upside down <clears throat> way. What does that look like practically in a relational sense? That's great. That's especially great. in this context yeah great question and um you know i, I would say that i well, and i appreciate you saying those those kind words and i but i wasn't always that way <laughs> you know prior to me you know becoming a, a believer and a follower of christ uh being in law enforcement you have to have a certain edge to you if you will you have to have a certain you know uh you need to think like a bad guy to catch the bad guy right so, and I did uh, back in, in, in my Dallas days when I was brand new, I, you know, being the only, one of the only Spanish speakers in my office, I, I did a lot of undercover. And so you have to really, really get deep into that kind of a, almost second personality. And so a lot of times I really had a hard time switching gears. Huh. And so I did get a taste of kind of, you know, what a dark heart feels hmm. like walking around. So when I, uh, and you know, my wife Jody can, can attest to it that when I first started going to, to uh, a, you know, to church, it was very difficult for me to hear the word because they were they were saying love and and and, and Jesus and you know they're, right. they're synonymous, <clears throat> but I could not let my guard down huh. because the moment I leave my guard down, then I'm vulnerable, and if I'm vulnerable, then I'm going to be a victim. So that was my mentality. Once I accepted Christ with a lot of you know again support from a very good friend of mine uh, at my old church and from a lot of mentors. Um, and, and of course, reading the Bible at a very, very basic level, it started to give me, it started to give me freedom. Mm, wow. It really did. It started to give me freedom where, you know, listen, yes, you, you do have to have this certain edge to you, but, and, and, and you kind of don't want to just like, well, you know, Jesus will take care of it. Cause that's really not the attitude you should have. Right. You still have to prepare yourself. Amen. So it kind of became that, like to your point, it was a very, very good balance that happened, it, where before it was just, hey, sorry, it's 100 miles an hour, and I just got to go, 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 go. But no, it, it came to a point where I realized I can truly still do my job effectively, but not really be out looking for this, uh, this person and really hating them. I don't need that motivation anymore. You know, I, again, I wrestled in college, and there was a time when you did. You looked at your opponent, and you kind of just, you had these, these, um, these thoughts of, like, I'm going to defeat you, you're not as good as me, on and on and on. But in, my, in the previous job, it was, okay, I can still be effective. And here at Lighthouse, that's kind of the, you know, we have these wonderful, wonderful volunteers here, and not only in all of the different uh, departments, but, you know, my security team that we have, these, these folks are uh, dedicated to providing that security that we talked about. Mm. They're willing to, uh, to put it on the line. Yeah. A lot of them are law, former law enforcement, <clears throat> some former military, and some just kind of people that want to serve. Um, and it's... It's, it's that mentality that I think, um, you know, that, that really, really provides 
kind of the environment that I'm trying to create for the church, which is when people come through our doors, you can't uh, completely, you know, dress them down and just be, you know, criticizing them and in your own mind of like, okay, is this the one? Is this the one? Right. <clears throat> you have to really, first and foremost, like you said, show compassion, show some love, show some welcomeness, right? But if you give me a reason to switch gears, I'm going to switch real quick. Right. And then you'll see the old Hector, as they say, right? <laughs> and we certainly don't want to do that. You know, and we are very fortunate here at Lighthouse, and of course, with the supportive leadership where we are able to, to also have Anne Arundel County's finest here mm. almost every Sunday, if not every Sunday, uh, to, to, for support. They also have that same, um, they're on the same mindset as we are, which is we're here to protect this house no matter what it takes. But they're, if you would watch them, they're quickly talking to kids. They're talking yep. to mothers. Totally. They're talking to dads because they're building. So in the, um, in the law enforcement world, that's called uh, community, um, community policing. Hmm. And it's very important. They found uh, there's been many, many studies um, in that kind of law enforcement realm where uh, if a police department follows a, a community policing uh, philosophy, they're way more successful wow. than... Uh, walking around with big, intimidating, you know, police officers that are just kind of bullying the community. Yeah. You're going to get way more support by, you know, uh, helping with the Thanksgiving turkey giveaways mm -hmm. and showing up to big events and, uh, you know, bringing out all of your equipment and letting the kids come and look at it and having these kind of type of uh, festivals, things like that. That's called community policing. Wow. Well, I think that's kind of the same um, approach that kind of we have. It's like, hey, everybody at least around here, that we, they kind of know who our guys are and all that. However, we want to make sure that our reputation is, is one of grace, is one of kindness, is one of joy and love. But, you know, they are still here to do a, to do a job. Absolutely. So I hope that kind of answers your yeah. question. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, and, and I think that culture was set, you know, um, you know, prior to Hector, of course, as I mentioned earlier, Paul Toll. See how I did that? Paul Toll was the one that really established the culture. So for me, I was I was in a pretty vulnerable spot because security's presence were going to be um, uh, considerably more than it ever had been prior to Paul. There was a couple guys that would stand watch, have a little walkie-talkie, collaborate sure. with the police that were on premises. But within the house, there wasn't a really established security team. Paul Toll comes along, and yet for me... Um, knowing that measures had to take place. Why? Because let's be honest, the hostility towards Christians, churches, has uh, the uptick has been dramatic. Um, pastors being shot and breaching doors, um, inflicting harm on uh, women, children, uh, and, and, and it's becoming more, it's becoming louder and louder and more and more visible. And so we felt we are a bit of a sitting duck. Nevertheless, what I did not want to create is this militant environment of yes. where you were anxious to be in the house of the Lord because... Nervous to raise your hands in worship. <laughs> right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Put Do it down. slowly. Put him down. Put him down. You know, but Paul Tolley because... Cut. You know what? I'm just going to call him Tolly. Yeah, I can call him whatever I want. That's right. He's Italian. Now. He's Italian. <laughs> Paul came in and because called by God and having the right heart, as you so well said, Boots, for his love of that which was behind him, he came in and just established what I believe was the heart of God, not only in his team, 
but in the house that we could rest easy, that those that, that broke the plane of the door felt warm, welcome, loved on. Why? Hey, we're in Glen Burnie, Maryland. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. We are not, this isn't a high-density, high white-collar congregation. Um, there's a lot of brokenness and a lot of hurt. So people that, as we, as we encourage often, come as you are, they take us up on that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they come as they are, not dressing themselves up at all, of which I so love. Why? Because that's the heart of Jesus. And because of the environment set here with the right heart, they feel welcomed in doing it. Yeah. They feel like it's safe to come um, but nevertheless, Paul created that environment. You then picked it up. You're on a, you, we have only increased in growth. And so the vigilance has all the more been sort of transferred into a bigger and bigger team. And I'm so grateful that Jesus is center and that protection is, is done in a way that um, doesn't distract from the mission at hand. Mm -hmm. And we're beneficiaries of that, brother, not one lesser than the other. And I have to just add that, you know, that can only be uh, a testament because of the leadership, right? And I can't, I, I, I tell you, you know, Cam being there uh, on Sundays to kind of help, you know, give me those guardrails also, right? Because I still, I still have certain, you know, I'm still growing, right? That's one of the things that I love about kind of just uh, in the world of security, you, can, you, you don't ever always know the answers, right? It's always great to have a different perspective, right? And so, you know, Cam uh, has always given me this perspective of um, showing me that grace part, right? Of like, hey, I, I understand this is what's happening, but have we considered this? And it's kind of like an aha moment for me, like, oh, yeah, you know, you're right. I think, I think I'm looking at this one-dimensionally, and I think I can huh. probably expand on that. So, uh, and, and with the support of, again, leadership, we can only continue to, to do better and to be more effective and, uh, and to continue to show... Um, safety, security, but first and foremost, what Jesus would want, and that is to show love. Amen. Amen. Any closing remarks, Boots? I don't think so. I just think that um, if this episode is in any indication of what season six has in store for us, oh. we're on a beautiful trajectory. We're swinging for the fence, little partner. <laughs> no, I, I certainly appreciate you joining us, Hector. I've been looking forward to this chat. Um, mm -hmm. just the expertise, the information and the inspiration that you bring. Um, Amen. we're very, very grateful to have you here. Thank you both. Thanks. Couldn't agree more. And, uh, just as a father and, um, just as one that, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't intend in any way to be a chicken little. I just want to be, you know, the, the sons of Ishkar, the scripture says, it says that they were wise because they were, they considered and were aware of the times. Mm. And I, I think of the times in which we live, there is such a feeling of uncertainty. You know, I love the feeling of stability, mm -hmm. but because evil is pervasive, the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, uh, the enemy hates light and dwells in darkness. We all the more should at least prepare as much as possible. Uh, the reality is we have very little control. But when I talk to you, what I love is, is that you give me clarity on what I can control. Mm -hmm. And that is con control your preparedness. Control is you being the father. Make sure that you got some provision. Make sure that you got some predetermined 
routes and understanding. Make sure that, hey, if you believe in the right to bear arms. That's right. And you should. That, that you are armed and dangerous. <laughs> um, ready for and praying that you never have to use it. But God forbid, um, if, if need be, I, I don't want to be asleep on it. And so thank you, brother, for the gift that you are to the body and the way that you inform and illuminate um, what few people think about. We're better because of it, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, Cam. Appreciate it. And um, just look forward to listening to more Simplexity podcasts. On your, on your 3 a.m. runs. <laughs> on my 3 a.m. runs. That's right. I'll be thinking of you in Good. the dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening as well. Uh, you can go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Simplexity Podcast. And you can also follow us on Spotify or Apple. And on Apple, you have the ability to rate us as well. So we'd love some five stars if you feel so inclined. Amen. Love you guys. Oh.